Hey there, Points and Penalites. Welcome to episode 21 of Points and Penalties. We want to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Yosh, and with me are my co-hosts Jesse, Peter, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking? Uh, today, guys, I'm just going uh, with the steam whistles. Love them. Like them. Drink them all the time. Like it. Good beer. Pedro. What you got going on there? Thanks, Kev. Similar to you, I'm uh, going with the beer I drink all the time. It's a Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. <laughs> Fuck you, Jesse. <laughs> but I like them because they're, uh, well, they're cheap. <laughs> so, Jesse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking, it's called Take a Hike. It's a double dry hopped ale. It is from Upper Thames Brewing in Woodstock. And it's just six six point percent, boys. Not not nothing too crazy today, but uh first couple of sips are tasting pretty good. Yosh, what are you drinking? I had that take a hike a few weeks ago. It was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, but this week I've got some Railway City Brewing out of St. Thomas. And it's called Juice Caboose Juicy IPA. It's a 6.8% strong beer. And it's pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. I'm liking it so far. Nice. So Cheers, guys. Juice Caboose? Juice Caboose, that's right. Juicy IPA. That's right. And it's from what Railway City Brewing. Makes sense, right? I get it. Well, guys, first up this week gonna head right into some nhl news peter's gonna catch us up yeah so uh round two is closed out now the bruins isles series the isles won that four to two i had the bruins winning that but uh, the islanders came through go isles screw boston (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not upset that i was wrong on that pick canes lightning tampa bay wins four to one Dougie Hamilton had a quote that I liked after after the series in his press conference after the, they lost. He said that we lost to a team that's $18 million over the cap or whatever they are. Which, that was funny because we talked about that on this show as well. Yeah, I couldn't understand how they're able to do that either. Because they're in the playoffs. It's a loophole. Yeah. It's, it's just like a separate season. Pretty much. Basically, yeah. It's, it's a stupid loophole they have and uh, that they can get away with. Yeah. But there's just a lot of teams are doing it, and you can't be pissed that they're not doing it. So whatever. I think a lot of it has to do too, is it gets a lot of trades at the trade deadline at that point too for buyers and sellers, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't need to worry about your cap right now, right? And then, what did they do? They put them on the taxi squad or something like that, or put them on an injured reserve. Or injured reserve. But really, were they injured? No. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah. They were initially. So, like, Kucherov was injured at the start of the season, legitimately. But yes. he was probably ready to go in, like, March. Right. He stayed on the sideline until the playoffs because he right. had to. They're not the only ones that do it, but they definitely are the most egregious example of it. Date. It's not cheating. It's not cheating. It's cheating. It's cheating, but not cheating. And if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? So That's right. That's right. <laughs> Go with the Brady's fucking way. <laughs> Vegas Avalanche. Vegas wins four to two. This is Kevin's pick versus Josh's yeah. pick. 
Oh. Like you just heard with that. Yeah. Josh was right and Kev is out. But here I go again, though. Like I stated, like, like why would I say who would want the President's Trophy winning team? Because they never win. And here I am, and I'm like. I know why. Colorado's going to take Colorado's going to win. I know why you did it. Yeah, because I'm old. Well, yeah, but just because you're Kevin, more or less, and you contradict things constantly. I do, all the time. <laughs> just to be, just to be an ass, I guess. I don't know. But I, I enjoyed this one. This one made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. Fuck sakes. <laughs> fuck yeah. sakes. Don't know what the fuck you were thinking. No, I know, man. It's your own golden rule. Just don't pick the fart. trophy winner. It's your brain fart. So the ads actually dropped four in a row in this to lose this series. They won the first two and then dropped the next four. So they might as well got swept. They were uh, definitely one of the top teams, so it's interesting to see them fall off like that. But credit to Vegas. They're, uh, they're a real good team as well. You know another team that was pretty supposed to be pretty good too that dropped off? No, I do not. <laughs> I think you do, Peter. I do not. <laughs> I don't want to know. Your Toronto Maple Leafs, bud. I get some uh, some solace in the fact that they didn't lose four in a row, but they also didn't get out of the first round again. So and they blew a three-one series lead. Yeah. So I don't think there's much solace there. Uh, not much. Man. Not much at all. But we're not talking about them anymore, Jesse. Oh, I just wanted to make sure everyone knew. I was just clearing up for our listeners. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> You bringing our listeners up to speed. And Jets Habs, uh, Montreal, after beating the Leafs in game seven, after being down three to one in the series, swept the Jets. So there was a couple of comments on the officiating during that round from some of the head coaches of the teams. So DeBoer made a comment, uh, he's Vegas's coach, he made a comment about the refs being fooled by the Avalanche's embellishment. And so he made that comment after game two. And there were 13 minors called against against uh, Vegas in the first two games. There were only seven minors called against them in the next four games. But how were they on the power plays then? I mean, because that's my understanding that the Colorado has a great power play is what basically what got them there. So if their power play is not being played, they're not scoring goals. Yeah. And like most, most teams that are able to get this deep in the playoffs have a good power play. So it's, it's never good to go into, into the playoffs, not having a good power play. See the Leafs, for example. (laughs) So, yeah, the, obviously the penalties that are called make a huge difference. And when it's a highly skilled team like Colorado, for sure it makes a huge difference. And clearly after this after this uh, quote he made, the penalties dropped way off. So I don't know if he won them the series with that quote or, or if it was all the players on the ice or what. But, uh, yeah, made a huge difference, it seems. It's funny that, like, you can almost call that I guess like with the cap situation that Tampa has manipulated, the abs are diving now, just trying to get some calls. Yeah. And someone called them out on it and it went the other way. Yeah. No, it totally did. Yeah. 
and it was it was very skillfully done. If if you listen to the quote that he said, he basically uh, basically praised the refs and said, "I don't blame those guys. They're doing the best they can, but these guys are flopping all over the place and they're getting fooled." And he put it nicely, finessed the refs into saying, "Hey, okay, this guy's on our side. We're not going to call so many penalties against them." Well, you can't directly call out refs either, or else you get fined, right? No, nope, that's right. Because so, Cassidy with the Bruins did exactly that playing against the Islanders. He said that they are more like the New York Saints and not the New York Islanders, it seems, because <laughs> they're playing the same way that the Bruins are playing and not getting any of the same calls against. And Cassidy got swiftly fined twenty-five grand for that comment. Right, so Dubois knew what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, I'll manipulate these guys. Exactly. And Trotz did a similar kind of thing um, with Bergeron in the face-off circle, sort of saying that, don't worry, the refs, so I'm sure the refs are going to catch on to what this guy's doing, cheating in the face-off circle. Uh, that's obviously not as big a deal as, as the actual penalties that are called, but it still makes a difference. So, yeah, there was lots of comments from coaches on officiating this round. Let's see if it carries forward. How is supposedly Bergeron, like, how is he cheating? Was he putting his – is he doing a little pirouette before the, the puck stopped? Or? <laughs> not quite a pirouette, but I think he's, he was not putting his stick down. Ah. Okay. And sort of waiting until the puck is dropped and trying to keep his stick in the air the whole time to give him better leverage or – Gotcha. Something like that. Just little, yeah, but- little cheats that – He's always been good at the playoffs or at the faceoffs, though, to begin with. Yeah. And half of being good at faceoffs is being good at cheating on faceoffs. Yeah, right. not getting not getting caught. Exactly. And if you do get caught, you just get waved out anyway. It's not a... I know. It's not it's not like a huge loss unless yeah. uh, you're in your own zone, more or less. Exactly. Or unless the other person that gets kicked out who goes in, if you get kicked out, then it becomes a penalty. That never happens. Really, really, but. It... I don't remember ever seeing that penalty actually called. Oh yes, buddy, I challenge that. It's definitely been. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying it hasn't been. He says he hasn't. Seen <laughs> I it. haven't oh. seen it. Okay, well, it has happened. <laughs> I challenge you. I know. I know oh. what you see in hockey games all the time. <laughs> so that brings us to round three. So, Golden Knights are playing the Habs. I said it last year. I'll say it again. I think they start tonight, but I don't think the Habs win a game this series. We'll see if that's right, or maybe I'm backing out for lunch. But I think the Golden Knights are a team firing in all cylinders right now and looking like a a cup contender for sure. Didn't didn't you say that about the Leafs and the Jets though? <laughs> Definitely not the Jets. No, he said whoever wins that round will get swept the next one. Is yeah. I think what what he said. That's right. Which I'm still saying. I'm saying it again right now. And that that game starts Monday, by the way. Oh, is it tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. I don't think the Habs are in the same class at all. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're way better than I think they are, and that's why I'm so distraught this playoffs. But you know. But you did have the Jets beating the Habs. I did. So they've proven you wrong twice. Yep. They have. <laughs> but I still don't think they're near as good as the Golden Knights. They're better than I thought they were for sure. But maybe they're still better than I think. I don't, I don't think they win a game. Maybe one if they're lucky. So I got the Golden Knights in that series for sure. And then Islanders-Tampa. 
just finished their first game this afternoon. Islanders are up one nothing. I still think Tampa is going to come out on top in this series, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Islanders win. Do we have the percentages for the the third round? Whoever wins the first game on that one there, Kev? Good question. Is it still 69%? I think it's still 69% because that was just series. It was series, series yeah, general. just series. Oh, it was series. I thought it was first round. No, it's just a series in general. Okay. Whoever takes uh, game one. Okay, well, so Peter's wrong, probably. <laughs> Maybe. There's a 69% chance, apparently. Yeah, I still got Tampa, though. I think they'll pull it out. I think they're a much more skilled team. $15 million over the salary cap or whatever they are. Like Dougie Hamilton says. So I think they'll still pull it out up, but I can see it easily going the Islanders away as well. And so, and other NHL rumors, Rob Brindamore has still not been extended in Carolina. It was an assumed given that he would be up to this point. But on the 31 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman mentioned that he got a text from an insider that he that he knows on the situation, and it just said "buckle your seatbelt." That could be that could be interesting. Could mean that he maybe maybe is not going to get the deal done in Carolina, and maybe going to coach somewhere else. I'm sure there'd be a long list of suitors for him as their coach. Seattle for sure comes to mind, and I think the Rangers need a coach. There's lots of teams out there, I think, that uh, would be all over Rod Brindamore's services. So we'll see what happens with that saga. Some NHL awards finalists have been announced. Uh, none of the winners yet, but the finalists. So for the Vezina, it's between Fleury, Grubauer, and Vasilevsky. Looks like Kev, Kev's got Fleury winning the Vezina there. I don't think Fleury's going to take it. I think probably uh, Vasilevsky's going to win that one. Is this just for, this is just as regular season, right? Yeah. 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 So it's best goalie regular season. I'm going to take flowers. It's two for flurry. Jesse. Well, I don't want flurry. Well, I guess, <laughs> yeah, he's for, for golden Knights, but we can't allow Josh to have another one of him dominating. I'll do a Vasilevsky. Okay. Two for Flurry, two for Vasilevsky. So that means definitely Grubauer is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Lindsay, which is the MVP as voted by the players, is between Crosby, Matthews, and McDavid. It's got to be McDavid. Yeah, I think we're all consensus on this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Calder is between Kaprizov, Nedeljkovic, and Robertson. Uh, that's Kaprizov all day. The only chance he has of not winning that is if some people get galaxy brained on it a little bit and say he's too old to be considered a rookie and pick somebody else, but he's clearly the best rookie. I was just curious about that, but is it still his first year? Yeah, he's 100% a rookie. First year he's in the a, league. Then he's a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but some people get complaining about it because he's played like pro hockey in the KHL leading up to this, so he's older and more developed, I guess, than than the other guys, but whatever. He's a rookie in the NHL. He wins. Uh, Lady Bing between Matthews, Slavin, and Spurgeon. So this is for the most gentlemanly player. I think Slavin's going to win that. 
Sorry about your luck, boys. It's Matthews. Kev's got Slavin as well. And uh, Jesse, who you got? I only know Matthews, so I'll, I'll just say Matthews. All right. Two for Matthews, two for Slavin, so it'll definitely be Spurgeon. I mean, he didn't even get upset whenever he got tossed around. He just have a big-ass smile on his face, Matthews would. So that, I got to go with him. <laughs> yeah. The Selkie, that's uh, the best defensive forward, is uh, Barkov, Bergeron, and Stone are the nominees. I'm going to go with Bergeron because they might as well rename the award the Bergeron because he <laughs> wins it every fucking year, it seems. So I'm going Bergeron. It's like Kev is too. I'll probably go with Bergeron as well. Yeah, so Josh is the only outlier with uh, Mark Stone. Vegas, baby, Vegas! <laughs> He's just hitting Vegas hard right now. That's right. Feeling it. The heart. Uh, big one here. McKinnon, Matthews, and McDavid. McDavid all day. Yep. Kev, I don't even know why you wrote your name down at Matthews because there's no chance. It's McDavid. For sure. 100%. And the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year between Brindamore, Evison, and Quenville. I think I'm going to go with uh, Coach Q of Quenville on this. I would say Brindamore. Yeah, Rod for sure, man. Okay, so Josh and Jesse have Rod the Bod. Kev and me have Coach Q. So Evison's definitely going to win. You missed uh, the Norris trophy there, Peter. Oh, I skipped the Norris, son of a bitch. The Norris, so the nominees are Fox, Hedman, and uh, Kale McCarr. I've got Hedman there for sure. Yeah, I was going to say Hedman. Uh, and I, for the record, I think that uh, I think Adam Fox actually had the better year. But Hedman's got that name recognition, and that means a lot in these awards. So I've got Popular contest. Yeah, so I've got Hedman. Uh, so it sounds like we all have had men except for Josh. With, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I thought Makar had a hell of a year. So, um, you know, maybe he's not better than Hedman, but uh, but he is a very good player, and he'll be he'll be a force in the next, you know, five to ten years for sure. Yeah. Uh, yep. Definitely. And so that wraps up uh, the NHL awards and brings us into the NBA. Yeah, let's jump right into it. First things first, we got a little bit of Raptors news. It has nothing to do with the playoffs because we know they suck and, and didn't make the playoffs. So, uh, but what we do have is Pascal Siakam has had so- shoulder surgery and he it will be out about five months back approximately uh, sometime in November. And he had a torn left labrum repaired. So he's going to miss the beginning of the season, which is reportedly going to start October 19th. Obviously that can change uh, with COVID-19 and so on and so forth. But the way things are going, my guess is that it starts around that time. So I'm not too concerned about the start date, but we will miss Siakam for the first month, maybe month and a half of the season. Hopefully they can make some trades or signings over the off season to, to back him up there so we can fill that hole for the first couple months and hopefully him fixing up his shoulder, uh, maybe gets him back to the 2019 Siakam. Uh, I'll, I'll even take the 2020 Siakam. You know, he didn't play too shit hot this season, but it'll be nice to uh, get him healthy again, and hopefully he can be a force for us. The way it's going now, he's in his second year, or will be heading into his second year of his fourth year of the rookie max contract, and we need him to play like 
a rookie that has a max contract. So uh, hopefully he gets his shit together and hopefully this shoulder surgery will point him in the right direction. So this happened like right at the end of the season. Right. Yeah. So it was at the like May 8th or something like that uh, against the Grizzlies. And then they, the, they ended up losing the next four games after that, or sorry, they, he missed the last four games of the season after that because of their shoulder injury. They probably lost to all four of those games. I can't remember exactly, but they probably <laughs> did. So, yeah, so it happened right at the end of the year. And uh, I'm surprised it's actually taken this long. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This, it seems like it's taken way too long for him not to have the surgery done. Right, why wouldn't you have done it, like, I mean, maybe not right away, from the injury but after the season within a week or two you figure you'd get it and then maybe he could make the the start of the season in uh in beginning of october but yeah so i'm not sure why he didn't get the surgery done right away right after the season to me it would make sense too but maybe they were maybe the doctors were backed up with covid or something who knows uh, but but at least they but they're an nba star they should be they got they got first line dibs no matter uh, I what. I hear that, man. I hear that, but <laughs> but evidently there was some yeah. reason that we we are on. You know, it's unknown to us why he waited or why the organization waited this long to uh, to get him in for surgery. But hey, it is what it is, and hopefully he gets uh, fixed up, and we'll take him back in November. Obviously, we prefer October, but we'll take November. All right, so we're gonna head off into the playoffs. The Eastern Conference has got Philly versus Atlanta. Philly's up 2-1. And Brooklyn and Milwaukee, they played today. Milwaukee won to tie the series up at 2-2. And uh, these are looking like they're pretty good games. And I think it's going to be close all the way through for the rest of these East teams. I wouldn't be surprised to see six, seven-game series for the rest of these in the East. Hopefully Milwaukee can... uh, can stomp the nets because i don't like the nets and i need you guys to be out with your picks no uh, (laughs) likewise with atlanta hopefully philly can uh, get bounced too but i doubt that one's gonna happen what are you gonna hate i gotta get points however i can process (laughs) points anyway i can get them in brooklyn needs a brooklyn needs a rebound quickly Yes. And I also saw that Kyle Irvy had, had a, has a hurt ankle. So it's another star out. Uh, so in the West, we've got Utah up 2-1 over the clip. And Phoenix is up 3-0 on my Denver Nuggets. They do play tonight yeah. at about 8 o'clock, I believe. And I'm really hoping Denver... And uh, Jokic can take control of this, get, at least his game, get a win. And uh, hopefully they carry on and push it to seven to, to get to the West final. But it's uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. It'd be epic if it happens. <laughs> yeah, fucking right it would. Are 3 0 comebacks in the NBA as rare as they are in the Pretty NHL? Much. Yes. Yeah, then you're yeah. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> So in game three of the Phoenix Denver series, uh, Nikola Jokic just went off. It's the third player in, uh, in history to in playoff history to record 30 plus points, 20 plus rebounds and 10 plus assists 
uh, as a triple double, obviously, which is crazy. You know, that's, that's a lot of points, a lot of boards and a lot of assists. So, um, you know, I would ex- expect a guy like, uh, like Mr. Triple double to do that. Maybe not necessarily in the playoffs cause he doesn't do that in the playoffs, but Mr. Triple double should do that in the regular season, but good for Jokic to do that. And, uh, you know, just shows you why, why he's a fucking superstar. Is this the reason why you picked Denver was for this guy? I mean, he's a big part of it. Uh, I was kind of hoping that Jamal Murray would be able to come back, but uh, evidently his injury is too uh, was too serious for him to be able to make a return back for the playoffs. So, and I just had a feeling that they were gonna they were gonna do well. But meeting up with uh, Chris Paul, the Phoenix Suns is uh, has not been good for him. So, and then like the NHL. The NBA has given out some awards. So the NHL was just nominations. These are actual winners now. So defensive player of the year went to Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. This is third defensive player of the year in four years. And he's the fourth player all time to win. Those are Aaron Donald numbers. Yeah, man, for sure. He's the fourth player all time to win defensive player of the year three times or more. So number one or tied for number one is Dakomi Matumbo and Ben Wallace, each with four. And then Dwight Howard has three, which Rudy just tied him as well. So one more for Rudy, which I can definitely see happening in the next handful of years. Uh, and he'll tie Matumbo and, uh, and big Ben. So that's a good feat for him. And uh, that is one of the reasons why Utah is doing so well in the regular season and in the playoffs is because of this guy, uh, at least on the defensive end. Next up, most improved player. And they gave that one to Julius Randle from the Knicks. He averaged 24.1 points, 10.2 rebounds, six assists, 36.7 minutes per game, which was an NBA high, the minutes was. And he played 71 games out of a 72-game season. So not too shabby. Uh, Apparently, he's pretty durable uh, to play those 71 games. So... And then moving on next, we've got the Sixth Man of the Year Award. Uh, this is one of those awards uh, like Bergeron, always winning the uh, the Selkie. This is one of those one that uh, goes to Lou Williams a lot. Uh, he's he's always a big-time sixth man. He did not win this year. This year it was Jordan Clarkson from the Jazz. Clarkson averaged 18.4 points, four boards, two-and-a-half assists, 26.7 minutes, and he played 68 games. And actually, number two for the sixth man of the year was his teammate. Wouldn't that be the seventh man? Well, I mean, I guess, but um, shit. Just saying. England or something that starts with a fucking E. I can't remember the guy's name. Anyway, so number one and number two in the voting was both from Utah, uh, which you don't typically see that because most teams don't have a seven guy that's a six. So... So good for uh, good for Utah there, Jordan Clarkson to win that Sixth Man of the Year. Quite the bench on Utah. Yeah, it shows you why they were the number one team in, uh, in the West. Exactly, exactly. And so next up, another one going to the Knicks. We had Tom Thibodeau winning Coach of the Year. He has previously won this award in 2010, 2011 with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Knicks put up a record of 41 and 31, which put them in fourth in the East. They won 16 of 20 games to finish out the season. And 
they put up 20 additional wins from their season last year. Last year, they finished at 21 and 45. So a hell of a hell of a change there for the New York Knicks to go from basement dwellers to number four in the East. So uh, they really played well. And I don't know if you guys saw any of the uh, games with the Knicks in the last, you know, couple weeks of the season and then into the, uh, into the playoffs, it was fucking insane in New York. They were going crazy. Like every single night, it was like the Knicks won the championship. Well, they haven't had much to cheer about recently. Exactly. So, so obviously I'd be the same way. When the Rams started winning, man, I was the same way. I was just like, "Woo, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> we won the Super Bowl." <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so another Nick one. So we've got two Knicks and uh, two Utah Jazz so far in the uh, in the awards. Uh, I got a couple more here. So, teammate of the year went to Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, and this award recognizes the player deemed to be the uh, best teammates based on selfless play on and off the court leadership and commitment to the team. And this one doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Lillard always seems like he's a team guy. He, yes, he takes all those big shots at the end of the game, but he's good enough to do that. And so I'd give him the ball too, but he will definitely spread the ball around. Yeah. We talked about it last week of how much of a competitor he is when he said he didn't care about his own statistics. And he's just like, we didn't win. He's like, he's all about winning for his team and everyone. And it's not a surprise that he got it. All right. So next up for these NBA awards, is the sportsmanship award. This one recognizes the player who best represents the ideals of sportsmanship on the court. And this one goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, Drew Holiday. Got no problems with this one. Nice guy. Never seems to bitch and moan. And... Uh... Ever complains about a foul, then I take it, right? Has LeBron ever won this award? I don't think LeBron <laughs> has, but I'm not 100% sure. But my guess is no. <laughs> this is like the lady Bing in hockey. Exactly, exactly. I wouldn't fucking want it. It goes on the bottom of the trophy case. <laughs> yeah. And then there's one more NBA award, but we'll get to that one in just a few seconds. This week's Points and Penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company. Try the Game Changer. So this week, our MVP, sponsored by MVP Brewing. MVP's kickback program is to give every child the chance to be the best MVP they can be. MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids sports organizations. It's a great initiative, and uh, we like these guys a lot. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, gents. Cheers. So our MVP for this week, episode 21 of Points and Penalties, is the NBA MVP, fittingly enough, Nikola Jokic. Jokic, sorry. He's the only Nugget ever to be named the MVP. He's the lowest drafted player ever to win the MVP. It's the second round, 41st overall, with exception to the three-time winner, Moses Malone, who was undrafted. He is the first Serbian to be named MVP. He had 26.4 points, 10.9 rebounds, 8.4 assists, and 1.32 steals in 34.8 minutes of play. An average in 72 games this year. 
And he's the third player ever to average at least 26 points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists in a season, joining Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook. So Nikola Jokic, our MVP for this week. This guy's been absolutely incredible all year. And uh, Pete, I I hate to say you missed out on this by a a day. A day you would have got the point for choosing the MVP correctly. Kev, I believe you had LeBron. He was long, long gone, long ago. Uh, I had Embiid. Jess, did you have Embiid as well? I had Embiid. You had Embiid. And then, Peter, you said if Embiid was out for more than two weeks. Three weeks. It would be Jokic. Yeah. Or was it three weeks? More more than three weeks, it would be Jokic. And he was, Embiid was out for one day less than three weeks. <laughs> so you just, you got the shaft on that one, but. But good call on that. You're damn yeah. close. Off by a day. Son of a bitch. Son of a... Uh, too bad close only counts in hand grenades and horseshoes, right? Does it say how many votes he got? Or how many how many points? Sorry. Like, he got, like you get, it's per points for the... The voting MVP. points? Offhand, I don't know. I'm sure I can find it, but... I'm just reading here with uh, Joel Embiid came in second, obviously. I'm just curious on what how, how far Embiid is off. So Jokic, Jokic had a total of 971 points, and Embiid had 586 throughout wow. the voting process. Well off. Yeah. And then Golden State's Steph Curry had 453. And that would have been my second choice if we had that option. There was no well, we, we did choice. say, but, you know, <laughs> we were else, and I said Curry. I mean, the guy's like a – and he was pretty close. So. You have to put the conditional thing in like how Peter did. If LeBron yeah. doesn't get back out, I choose Steph. Yeah. Yeah, Kev. Whatever. So, Nikola Jokic, he's got their back against the wall tonight against the Phoenix Suns. He needs to come up big and get a big W for the Nugs tonight. But even if he doesn't, he's episode 21's MVP. Congrats, Jokic. They're not coming back. Sorry. All right, kids. Let's slide on into the MLB. I want to start off with the Blue Jays update. They were three and three on the week. One and two versus the White Sox. Two and one versus Boston. I believe last week you guys had said that, I think Peter, you said you needed a split against Chicago. Obviously that wouldn't happen with a three game series. And uh, I think we all said, or you guys all said that Boston needed to lose that series to Toronto, which they did, or at least the first three games. Cause yeah, the series, yeah. The, uh, the series continues on tomorrow being Monday because it is a four-game series. So they're at 33 and 30, which puts them in third in the East. Seven and a half games back of Tampa. Boston's in second place, and they are not too far behind Tampa as well. Maybe a game and a half or something to that effect. And the Jays are three games back of the Asterix for the last wild card spot. I still think they can they have a chance, at least for that wild card spot. They got to you know, play a little bit better. The injuries uh, don't help. Not that it's been crazy that as of late with injuries, but we're not getting enough guys back. Yeah. Well, number one guy is Springer hasn't been back, but yeah. we'll get to that in just a second. Need less injuries and more Springer dingers for sure. But there's lots of time left. And as long as they can kind of stay where they are, if they can get a little bit closer, they probably not going to win the AL East, but if they can squeak into a, a wild card, then Kev, you still got a chance, and I think they could actually do some damage if they do squeak in, no matter where they uh, that where they end up in the playoffs. They need they bullpen, make... though, man. They need people to be able to come out and close. 
this is true. The uh, as of late, the bullpen has not been that great. Pitching in general just hasn't been good. Yeah, fair enough. Min- minus Mr. Robbie Ray, he's been pretty good. And uh, Ryu has been he. I think he had like one mishap recently. Yeah, not not the last game. As game before that, he got lit up. Yeah, um, so. but he's still been pretty solid for the most part. Oh yeah, for sure. So Sunday's game today, the Jays won versus Boston 18 to four, more like a slow pitch game. The Jays hit eight home runs, which I thought was pretty crazy. I I don't think that's a record of any sort, but I think it is. I think it's a record at Fenway. Oh, at Fenway. Okay. By one team, because there was at least one more home run by the Red Sox. So it would have been at least nine in the game. No. Yeah. I think by one team, I think eight by one team. Tied a record, maybe. Well, that's cool. Tay Oscar had two three-run home runs. We had Guriel, Semyon, and Biggio all hitting solo jacks. Bolbachet had a three-run jack. Rowdy Telez had a two-run homer. And Vladdy had a two-run homer. That two-run home run by Vlad keeps him in the league lead in home runs. He's now got 21 home runs. And he has 55 RBIs, and like I said, to lead the league in both categories. This man is still on fire. Uh, unfortunately, I my internet, just like this week, is shit. But uh, last week, I could not uh, be part of this, and I wish that I could have talked about Vladdy being you know, in there for MVP candidates. Pete, you kept saying last week that you still think that Otani is uh, maybe the only guy that can touch him at this point based on, you know, Otani's still hitting pretty well and he's pitching half decent. And when you have both of those going for you, you, you know, that's, that's a big advantage, I guess, as opposed to Vladdy, who's just hitting home runs. Yeah. He's got a decent average. He even stole a base recently, got caught stealing too, but. <laughs> I mean, like he's, he's playing great offensively and he's playing pretty good defensively, but when it comes to it down to it, you know, he's not hitting 17 home runs and pitching fairly well. You know, I don't know who I give the nod to at this point. I'd like to say Vladdy, but I think it's probably neck and neck. But if Vlad keeps hitting the way he's hitting, you got to assume maybe not runs away with it, but he could very well run away with it. He's three home runs up on the next guy, which is um, Acuna and Tatis. Which are both in the NL. Which are both in the NL. So, yeah, exactly. So the AL MVP, the next one would be Otani with 17 home runs. And then you have, again, his pitching as well. So, And his pitching is getting better. I looked at some of the statistics here, and he's not walking as many. He's going deeper into games. So he is doing better, and he's still striking out people a lot, which is always what you need for a starting pitcher for sure. But he also strikes out a lot, too, as a hitter. And his average is nowhere close near Vladdy's. No, so, it's not. So, like – and I, I don't think he gets as many at-bats as Vladdy, obviously, because – they have to give him rest days because he's doing double duty. Yeah, for sure. I, I was looking at that and I, I said yesterday, well, I was maybe JD or or um, Air Judge maybe. But uh, yeah, there's no one even close besides Otani. Mm. But does that not make the home runs that he has even more impressive for you? Otani or? Otani, yeah. Yeah, he... because he doesn't play as much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's a good point, Pete. I mean, if he's playing a you know, two thirds of the games that Vladdy is and still hitting 17 home runs. That's uh, pretty damn good, you know, but. Another thing you could say for, against uh, Vladdy is his whole team is hitting home runs and everything like that. And he plays in a hitter's ballpark 
So they have to pitch to guys, and they don't really want to pitch to Vladi Holat, who's not striking out and is walking a bunch. But there's also guys behind him that can hit as well. For sure. For sure. You can't just put them on because you're going to have to face Teoscar or or Lourdes or whoever else is next up and uh, you know, on that particular game. And, and like I said, just a lot of them are, are hitting pretty well right now. And that goes to show when you put up 18 runs in a game. I just want to also state something else that I talked about a couple of weeks ago about who I think is going to be a riser and then a bit of a faller on the Jays. Teoscar Hernandez was really shit in the bed in June up until today, obviously, where he hit a couple home runs. But he was he was leading in strikeouts for the Jays. He was also his average was really really down. Like I don't know what it was before the, this date. It's right now. It's at, at uh, two hundred and twenty two, which is still not good. That's not good at all. No. And I said he was going to go into regression. And I said that Lourdes Gurriel was going to start hitting well. And he's at in the month of June at three fifty one. Now he doesn't have the power. He, he's only hit two home runs in June, but we just need this guy hitting. Yeah, Guriel has, uh, you know, he had that cold spell, which really fucking sucked because he was on my fantasy team. And so then I benched him because that's what you do. And then sure enough, he started hitting well and lighting it up. So then I put him sure back in my Sure, listen to my lineup. voice. Yeah, I put him <laughs> back in my lineup and he hasn't been too hot this week, but... Uh, well, fuck, so you're the problem. Take him out of your lineup and he's going to be yeah. fine. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Actually, if I would have had him out and I would have started Stanton, which was a mistake on my part because uh, I fucked up, I would have probably won my week and uh, maybe maybe uh, Guriel would have been lighting it up this week because he wouldn't have been. Oh, I was just him. shocked that they actually had him on first base. Who? Guriel. Oh, he, he can play anywhere, man. He's so he's such a good utility. Like he came up, I think, playing shortstop. Yeah, I think he was shortstop and then he moved over to second and then out to left field. I think he's played a bit of third. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just remember the, the day that um, I guess that uh, Boba Shett kind of error toss where it kind of fell out of his glove. I mean, that game, I don't remember what, who they were playing, but I was just shocked that he was playing first base. That's all. Well, I mean, his brother plays first, so he's you know, he probably got some pointers <laughs> from uh, from Yuli and, yeah. and uh, you know, figured it out. So, and I mean, I mean, we all know that any idiot can play first base, right? So. <laughs> It's first base. You don't you don't need to do a rundown <laughs> fucking home plate. That's why Vladdy's playing there now, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a little inside joke. Spina, if you're listening, that one's for you, buddy. Thanks for chirping me back in the day. <laughs> okay, so injuries. Uh, we just had Kevin Biggio come back in the last few days off of his rehab stint in the AAA. As I, I just mentioned earlier, he hit a home run today, so looks like that did well for him. And we just got word that our boy, George Springer, maybe we can get some Springer dingers. He could start a rehab assignment as early as Tuesday in the AAA with Buffalo Bisons. And that would be phenomenal. Now we have heard that before. We have seen that before and it did not go as well as we had thought. Hopefully he is more healed up than the last time. I would love to be able to see him. Even if it wasn't this week, it was for next week. Uh, it would just be great to see him and hopefully he could be healthy. If he does come back and is able to stay healthy, who's your odd man out in the outfield, guys? You've got Curiel, you'll have Springer, you'd have Hernandez, and you'd have Gritchick. Now, I know we had mentioned this early in the season. I thought that Gritchick would be the odd man out, but he's been a man possessed 
maybe not as of late, but he was a few weeks ago, he was hitting great. So it was tough. It would be tough to pull him out of the lineup when Gurriel wasn't hitting great. He's the guy that you probably would have said to pull out or even Tay Oscar. But with the way that the guys are playing now, let's assume that Springer comes back next week. Who do you pull out? Well, you got the DH. Yeah, I know you have the DH, but you'll probably throw him in there. But um, yeah, Gritchick hasn't, like you said, hasn't been playing that well. He's still hitting home runs, and I'm going to still go with Tay Oscar. You think Tay Oscar is the odd man out? I was going to say the same like, thing. You got to assume that Springer is going to be DH for the first week or two, yeah. just to get his shit together. But once he starts playing in the outfield, somebody's going to, like you said, either have to go to DH or sit on the bench because you've got Rowdy that could. He hasn't been hitting great, but he's would be typically your DH guy. So it's, you know, there's a lot of players there that uh, something needs to happen with. Which is why I would say to, to Oscar, because he's the worst defensive fielder anyways, I think. So <laughs> uh, I've seen so many fuck up plays from him. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think I he would be out if he can't continue get, or get his uh, hot streak back. But he's also a good uh, bat off the bench as well, right? Uh-huh. I don't know. I think, it, I think it'd be Gritrick, personally. Despite his recent hot streak, I think he'd still be the guy. He's he doesn't have a hot streak right now. He he's he's been uh, just almost as bad as uh, Tay Oscar in June, except for he can hit home, hit more home runs. Yeah, I don't know. The healthy outfield to me is is Gurriel Springer and, and Hernandez. I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not a problem yet because Springer's not back. So until we get him back, <laughs> it's not a problem. Well, who do you have, Yosh? It's hard to say, man. I've heard that that Gurriel could be on the trade block, probably because he is kind of that utility guy. So they may opt to move him. And in that case, then you don't have an issue. But assuming they keep everybody, I got to say Gritchick. He was my he was my initial thought uh, earlier in the year. And I think I agree with Peter with the with the healthy outfield of Gurriel, Springer Dinger and Tay Oscar. But that being said, I'd have no problem if they kept Gritchick and maybe they shipped off Rowdy because he's been shit all year. He hit, did hit a home run today. Everyone was hitting home runs today. Yeah. His defense is okay when he's playing a lot, but when he doesn't play in the field, he – I mean, his timing is gone, just like anybody's would be. So, And he's not going to get that much time at first with, with Vlad, obviously. So uh, I think – if anybody is expendable, it would be him because he's very limited on what he can play and and what he can do. So I think Buck Martinez was talking about that too, saying this guy's got to start hitting or getting back because they don't want to send him back down to AAA. They would rather just probably get rid of him. Right. And I think they could trade him and they could get something for him. You're not going to get anything crazy. You might get a big old duffel bag of cash or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or who knows? Maybe you can move him for uh, for a bullpen guy, you know, that we could desperately use at this point. So, yeah. who knows? And the same goes for Gurriel, right? He's a guy that I think lots of lots of teams would entertain the idea of putting on their team just because of his uh, his versatility. So, and right. when he hits, he hits. So, last thing for the Jays guy, the upcoming week uh, on Monday we have the last game of the series against Boston. Uh, that we've got three against the Yanks and three against the Orioles. Just like you guys had mentioned last week, to me, these are all must-win games, especially against Baltimore. You know, if you lose against Boston tomorrow night, yeah, it's not the end of the world, I guess, but you still got to catch up. And they're right neck and neck with the Yanks. And so although it might not be good for my World Series pick, I could give two fucks if the Yanks win or not. So it would be good if they won just because I'd get a point. 
but it'd be bad if they won because they're the fucking Yankees. So it's a brutal, brutal pick anyway. <laughs> brutal. I'm fucking right, man. I can't believe you took the Yankees. It blew my mind. Jesus. Yeah, at least I didn't take the president's trophy winner. <laughs> oh, fuck you too, bud. <laughs> So anyways, seven games this week, and I think the Jays need to win at least five of them. That's what they need to do. And, you know, if they're going to lose, it should be to Baltimore. (laughs) Just because the losses aren't going to hurt us as much. Well, the Yankees aren't playing that well either as of late. You just need a bunch of um, runs, and then they can't seem to score any recently is what I've been seeing. And Baltimore's in the basement. The Jays and the Yanks are within, I I think it's a half game or maybe a game of each other. So uh, those will be some big games there just to kind of try and separate each other from third and fourth place and try and make something up on Boston and uh, and Tampa. But who knows if that'll actually happen. So in other MLB news, a little bit of somber news here. Jim Mudcat Grant, who was the American League's first Black 20-game winner as a pitcher, he has passed away at the age of 85. Uh, no cause of death has been released. In, in his 14-year Major League career, he led the AL with 21 wins in 1965 and was a key contributor to the Twins World Series team in 1965. Uh, Mudcat started three games in the 65 World Series, won twice, including a 5-1 complete game victory in Game 6, in which he also hit a three-run home run. So he was instrumental in that Game 6 uh, to push it to a Game 7. Unfortunately, for Mudcat and the Twins, Sandy Colfax and the Dodgers ended up winning game seven to win the 1965 World Series. So we just want to offer our condolences to the Grant family and uh, and just recognize Jim Mudcat Grant as the AL's first black 20-game winner in the pros. Great nickname, too. No doubt I wish I could sure. fucking get a nickname like Mudcat. <laughs> I mean, we could just start calling you Mudcat if you want. If you wish, no, I have no problems with that. Pedro. I mean, maybe, maybe. You know, see how it goes for it. the rest of the show. Yeah, we'll see. all right, we'll Mudcat, you got it. <laughs> okay, and last piece of news in the MLB Jacob deGrom. This guy is a fucking superstar. In his, his game this week, he held the Padres to one single and six scoreless innings. He struck out 10. He now has a 0.56 ERA and a 0.53 whip through 10 starts, which is uh, his equivalent of 64 innings. That is the lowest ERA and whip through 10 starts in a single season since earned runs became an official stat in 1913. That's pretty good. That's fucking crazy, Mike. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. 0.56 earned run hour. That means he's giving up half a run in yeah. nine innings. Per game, yeah. yeah, 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 like that's fucking insane. And then the whip is walks and hits per inning pitch, so he's only giving up half a walk or half a hit every inning. Yeah. So this guy is just—it's crazy how he's dominating everybody that he faces. Oh, uh, he's gone at least five innings with no more than one earned run allowed in ten straight starts which is the second longest streak behind Hall of Famer Bob Gibson, who has 11 straight in 1968. I don't doubt that DeGrom gets it in his next start this coming week. I don't doubt it at all. And, I mean, it's you know how tough it is to lower that ERA now? 
Like it's ridiculously difficult to get that any lower. And I mean, they said that last week, I was watching a little bit of, you know, sports center type thing. And they were like, it's literally impossible for him to lower his ERA. And then he went out and did it. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out in his, uh, his next game this coming week. But I imagine he does what he does and puts up another scoreless five or six innings, one or one hit. And uh, so we talked about the AL MVP, Vlad, Otani, maybe a handful of other guys there. But in my mind in the NL, it's DeGrom and that's it. There is nobody even fucking close. You know, you can say, what about Tatis? What about Acuna? No, nothing compared to this guy. He is just lights out. This is unheard of. We are definitely seeing history in the making here. I mean, Acuna is doing pretty good, and so is Tatis. Like, they're they're both doing phenomenal. And like what you're saying here with DeGrom, like, what he's doing is is crazy. He's not allowing – he's not – allowing hits he's not walking anybody and obviously no one's scoring when you're doing that right like the Mets have a pretty good defense and he's striking out a bunch of people he it's pretty incredible it's kind of it's crazy that he doesn't have a a no hitter considering who has no hitters this year kind of thing like that yeah just the way that he's played he I think he was hurt a little bit too which might wreck might people call him out for not being the MVP MVP because he's missed a, a few starts because of a injury and everything like that. But this is ridiculous. Last start he left uh, because of injury, but I just read today that he's going to get his next start and he won't miss any time. So I think he had an issue with his elbow at the end of his last start there. But but my understanding is that he'll be good to go for his next his next start and shouldn't miss any time there. So I think he's just going to keep tacking on more reasons why he's the NL MVP. So, notwithstanding the fact that he's a fucking absolute superstar, do you think the numbers he's putting up is anything to do with the change of the balls this year? Absolutely. It, yeah, it definitely could. We've talked about it before that they made it so that they could spin a little bit more and they're a little bit lighter so you can throw it faster and harder. And he, I think we've discussed about him throwing over 100 miles per hour at the age of, I think he's 33 or something like that which is impressive. Yeah. And for the first time in his career, right? Like he's, we talked about it before his miles per hour is going up as he, as he ages. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely could, the ball could have an effect on there. I mean, I don't doubt that it does, but even if you gave him the old ball, you know, maybe his stats would be inflated a little bit more, but he would still be just ringing guys up left, right and center and, and not allowing any runs, any hits or, or very few at least. No matter what, he's pitching at a high, high level. The highest. Yeah. You know, at this point, I don't think anybody, even though, just like you said, like Acuna and Tatis are still, they are playing well, but they aren't playing this well. I know, but Acuna and Tatis are like five tool players. They're stealing bases. They're hitting for power. They're hitting for average. They're not hitting Vladdy's average, but they're still, their average is usually a little bit higher than what they are this year. And you could account that for the, to the ball as well yeah but the home runs that are happening there's a lot of home runs happening because the ball is lighter if guys are throwing the ball faster the exit velocity is has increased it's easier to hit the ball harder when when they're throwing it faster and the fact that it's lighter can carry further as long as you get the head out right yep 
Yeah, I mean, there's there, the ball has a big effect on the stats this year. But like I said, give him the old ball, and I still think Degrom just lights everybody up. Yeah, for sure. But I I just wonder if with the old ball is Tatis and Acuna closer in the conversation in the MVP with Degrom. Probably. They probably are. But we don't have the different ball. It's this year's right. ball. So it, we'll we'll yeah. never know. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, the thing too is with it being June, he should be giving up more hits. Like there should be more people hitting because for whatever reason, come June, more people, the average has gone up each month since the beginning of the year. So the fact that he can continue to lower his ERA right there in itself is, is super impressive. I know that you're saying by far he's NL MVP. I believe he is the M- NL MVP. I don't know by the mile that you're talking about kind of thing like that, because I'm still pretty impressed with these youngsters. Well, don't get me wrong. Those other guys are good, but I'll, I bet you when you see the, uh, the end of it, you'll see a, I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly how it works with the voting and whatnot, but I'm going to say he wins by like 70% to 30% type of the thing with the votes. I'll take. Yep. <laughs> Assuming he keeps doing what he's doing. That is, I mean, obviously he, if he loses his shit and he's nothing, he, you know, he starts giving up 35 fucking hits a game. Obviously that's going to change, but, but he's got that mile wide berth. Well, but hit it, getting 35 hits against a game is uh, going to lead to a lot of runs. So. Yeah. A single run in a game is going to hurt his average. He's for sure. It will. Yeah. <laughs> so for Peter's Titans, as I was saying last week, they had to restructure a couple guys. As of right now, they just restructured Ryan Tannehill's contract. It was set at $24.5 million this season, which is hefty. He's a quarterback, and he, he wins playoff games. Club simply has turned a portion of that into a signing bonus to be able to fit Mr. Julio Jones under the cap. So are they done then? Can they sorry, Can they fit him under the cap with this one restructure? Is there more work to do? I thought there would have been more work, but I could be wrong. Give me a second here. Well, it looks like they're under the cap for the top 51. I thought they had to go a lot further. Yeah. But yeah, so they're $9 million under the cap. So they must have done some other stuff that I didn't recognize or see because they were ridiculously over the cap for the top 51. Jesse, you just don't know shit. <laughs> I was just following uh, Spotrack, bud. I was getting my info from there and all of a sudden it has changed. I'm just copying numbers, bud. Please call me Bud, Craig. Okay, Chief. That's your friend, guy. What's your guy, buddy? <laughs> You guys are a bunch of fucking hosers. (laughs) (laughs) There's always room for South Park jokes, all right? Fucking right. So Tannehill's, it's been reduced down for the 2021 season down to 11.1 million. So a bunch of money saved there from that 24.5 million. Uh, We'll bump up for 2022 up to 38.6 million, which is a lot. So they'll probably restructure that too. They'll just restructure it again. No big deal. Well, they only have like two more years after that contract after 2002. So there's not much more that they can restructure. Like they can, but they'll just, but they'll still be paying all that dead money still. Like they just, they, they have to get that dead money involved, right? Oh, they've got a two year window then to win the fucking championship, right? Now, this may have been said already, guys, but what did Julio sign with your fucking Tennessee? What did he sign with? Yeah, like what? Like how many years did he sign? One year? Was it a two year? It was. A, it was a trade, man. Challenge. He was traded. Was it just a trade? So whatever was remaining off of his 
All right. All right. I, I just I just blanked out when I heard Julio left because I was just so sad. <laughs> I still am. Do you want a Matt Ryan jersey next, Kev? <laughs> oh, fuck you, <laughs> well, At least he'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, if I'm going to do that, I'll buy it myself. He would be the next one to leave, too. For sure. No, 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 no. Don't. No, no, no. Fuck you, Jesse. You see you smiling, you bitch. I'm, I'm just saying. Logically, like, he would be the next person. Don't you. Don't you dare. Yeah. Well, don't be throwing shit in Josh's mouth about get me a fucking Ryan jersey then. That's all I see. You know what? I might pay some money towards that, and and I'll make sure that Josh hands it to you. <laughs> 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 all right. Whatever. So, yeah. He's, uh, we're pushing that can down the road. I, and I don't think they'll restructure again. There's a lot of dead money there, more or less. Like, there's 68.5 million this year if they cut them. Obviously, they're not going to do that. The year after that, it's going to be 57.4 million of dead money. So, they're definitely not going to cut them then either. No. And with his targets that he has now, he should be able to do something, especially with King Henry, as long as he can, doesn't fall off a cliff because he's been used a lot in the last couple of years. So, and running backs don't usually last that long. He's still under 30, though, right? Well, under there? Gotta be. If Yes, he is. But the, usually, like, running backs, the new thing is, like, under 27. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he's still got to be under 27, though, yeah, doesn't he? but like I said, he only has a good couple of years left, bud. They, they got to figure this out soon. The thing, the thing he's got for him, King Henry's got going for him, is that he's fucking massive. So he, the hits that he takes aren't as devastating compared to a smaller guy. Now, that being said, bigger guys typically don't last as long, but... If he gets in the knees, like, he's he goes down like a ton of bricks. Yeah, but you can't get to his knees because he fucking just stiff arms your ass and throws you across the fucking field. Just dive at them, bud. That's completely legal. (laughs) That's what I would be doing. I wouldn't be trying to tackle that goof up, but... uh, Well, exactly, yeah. (laughs) I don't want to get a big stiff arm. No, you can't tackle him up top, man. It's just impossible. Unless you're the same size as him and you've you've got him locked up, you know, between the, the sideline and you, you're you know, you're good. He's gonna blow it by you and rip rip your fucking face off and throw <laughs> you to the ground. So, so Jerome Br- Baker gets a three year extension from Miami Dolphins worth thirty nine million. Who? Yeah, who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who? this <laughs> exactly. He is. I didn't even know who he was. He was a third round pick back in two thousand eighteen. From Miami and I was like who is this guy and why is he getting all this money and I looked at the stats and his best season was last year with seven sacks and he's getting paid 13 million dollars a year it's that's a lot of money for someone that's only getting seven sacks and I was looking at other stuff up like he gets a bunch of tackles but they're not tackles for losses and he's a he's a outside linebacker like I get the Miami defense is like is new and and is pretty good for the most part but i contribute a lot to that to the secondary because the secondary there is lethal you're not wrong there are they paying for potential a little bit maybe oh they're definitely playing paying for potential but he's still a third round pick yeah i think they're just trying to keep like this nucleus there kind of thing like that because they got rid of a couple edge guys and and maybe this guy has more of a chance to play more now but i don't know that's a lot of money to give for for potential and he's not even a first-round pick. He's a, he's a third-round pick. So he probably saw that, and he was, like, smiling as he was signing that contract. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> yeah, I'll sign that contract. <laughs> you idiots. 
So uh, the, this one scratches my head. And like you all said, like who? Like I, I had no idea who this guy was until I read up on him. The amount of money he's getting, like edge defenders, really good edge defenders get like 20 million or something like that. And this guy, but still 13 million, like you, you can't find that. Like you can get that from the draft almost like for, for, for seven sacks kind of thing like that. And he gets a bunch of tackles, but they're, he needs to start tackling people behind the line of scrimmage. And then more somber news, as Josh was saying earlier, John Fossil dies at 71. Now, he he wasn't one of the huge coaches that was really, really good, but he made a huge prediction that he guaranteed the playoffs late in the season of 2000, and he went to the Super Bowl. when he And they, were, they weren't doing too hot, but he guaranteed playoffs when he did that. So that's his big like, claim to fame, more or less, because he went to the Super Bowl after guaranteeing just trying to get a – playoff bid yeah so he won coach of the year in 1997 with the giants he also played with a bunch of really good giants players and everything like that i think michael strahan was involved in that he started building what the giants turned into when they beat the patriots in the two super bowls yeah (laughs) and then the final thing i got here for nfl is levon bell he has claimed that he does not want to ever play for head coach Andy Reid ever. He'd rather retire. Just retire then. Yeah, bud. Yeah, he's – you're talking about guys under 30, Peter? He's under 30. But is he under 27? He's. I think he's 29. But he hasn't been anything special since he left, like, when he left the Steelers, like, years ago. Ever since the holdout. Ever since the holdout in Pittsburgh. He was, sh- after that, shit. Yep. Well, he was also with the Jets and could do anything. And gas, he who was yeah. Well, that's his own fault for fucking chasing money right. instead of chasing a championship. It didn't even work out for him. He didn't even get the money that he wanted. The Steelers were offering him more money than what the Jets were. the The only thing what the Jets offered more was the guaranteed money. Yeah. Well, turns out that he's just an idiot, and he should have stuck it out with the fucking. We all knew that. Steelers. We all knew he was a bit of an idiot. I love this style of run, man. I mean, the guy had that pause and just fucking burst. But all oh, his delay was phenomenal, but it was amazing. It's gone now. Well, yep. it's because he can't speed up. Yeah. Yep. I, I personally like I like his vision because of his patience and everything like that. But if you don't have the speed to, to get back up to speed again to, to hit that extra gear to get through that line, then you're useless. You can't keep doing that. You have to change your game. Yeah. And he hasn't done anything. Like this last year, he didn't even go over 80 yards from scrimmage. He went to one of the best offenses and barely played. He didn't play in the last two postseason games for the Chiefs. Like he's he has, has been god awful. And he but he's calling out Andy Reid, who's gone to back to back Super Bowls. Hey, Andy Reid would fucking play him if if it was worth his while to play him, right? Exactly. He he knows who's gonna who's gonna do well and everything like that. He they find guys out of nowhere. He loves speed, and Bell doesn't have that. He took a chance on him to when the Jets cut him and he was terrible. Like he averaged in just the regular season, seven carries and 28.2 yards a game. Yeah. It's not very good. Just with the chiefs and stuff like that. Like it's it. Ugh. like their running game. Wasn't that great to begin with, even with Clyde's Edward Lair, but he is way more dynamic than bell. Yep. Definitely interesting that, you know, like you said, he's calling out Andy Reed. Meanwhile, Andy Reed's a phenomenal head coach. You know, it's been a handful of years before or since Le'Veon Bell has done anything. And, yeah, that is a part to being on the Jets. But 
if you're that good of player, you'll, you'll get the ball, you'll, you'll get the yards, you, you know, you'll do what you do. And to me, he just, he just didn't do it. He was, he checked out, he checked out. Well, he was quite big fan of the reefer, right? And he got suspended for a couple of games way back when with the Steelers. And apparently he used to get high all the time before and after games. What's wrong with that? Before and after games, after games, before games, Stupid, man. That? that is the stupidest fucking thing to get high before a game. What? When you're a professional athlete, there's a lot wrong with that. Whatever. <laughs> smoke smoke weed every day. Right. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, but not before a game. Maybe when you're not a professional athlete. Well, maybe he's smoking CBD so he can sit there and numb the pain before he gets on the field. You know, a CBD is not making you high. Maybe that's why he had so much patience. He was so fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he needs to smoke more <laughs> it wasn't the patience or the vision it was just he had a delay in everything that he saw <laughs> yeah. Yeah. whoa man i got the ball Everything's in slow motion oh i, be- I better run now <laughs> all right what else is happening kev well i mean like on the saturday i just turn on the tv and, of course, we have the soccer on. Euro. Yeah, it wasn't playing. I mean, all I saw was a group of Denmark uh, players holding it around a circle. But, shockingly, I mean, I, honestly, I didn't see what happened first until this morning. But, uh, again, all I saw was a group of people holding it, like, right, like around in a circle. And I saw chest compressions through the legs and arms of these players. And I'm like going, whoa, what the fuck is going on? Dude, I was even there. I didn't even know what the fuck I said happened, and I'm in like total shock. But this uh, Christian Erickson, I'm not sure if you guys saw the footage, but he was running back into like a throw in and just stumbled and fell. I mean, head first. And uh, now seeing the footage, I was like, whoa, that's insane. That, that's like insane. I mean, thank God medical staff and like all them got to them or to him quick enough to can keep on doing the CPR. I mean, paddles were involved. It took him like 13 minutes to actually get him revived, like revised and off the field. I thought I it mean, took longer than that. Guy was fine. So it took him 13 minutes to get him off the field. I thought it was like almost 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. No, it, it said 13 minutes. It took him to uh, the, you know, partial of the revive um, to bring him back to life and to get him off the field. Cause usually if you, if you get past like 10 minutes of no oxygen to the brain, like you're, no, no, I'm not saying Buddy was out for, out for 13 minutes. I'm just saying he was, you know, CPR and such. But it took him 13 minutes from when he collapsed to get off the field. I mean, stretcher-wise and what okay. have you. But the players, I mean, if you saw the fans, you saw the players, I mean, obviously this is huge. I mean, I believe the guy's only 29 years old. Yep. Uh, I don't know what other respiratory issue he may have had. But, yeah, shocking, scary. Uh, he's doing fine, from my understanding. That's the only reason why that game played on. Because he basically stated that, uh, or everything was fine Challenge. with him. And it was post. It was postponed. It was postponed, and an hour and a half after, they he even said, "Go ahead and play the game." So, okay, all right. Yeah, no, I'm with Kev there. They played the game like the same day. Yeah, that same day. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was postponed for for the time with, to what happened and everything like that. Yeah. When you when you said carry on the game, I thought you meant that it would it would they continued the game as soon as he left. They the sprayed field. him with the fucking ice oh, spray no. and he got off. 
Yeah, it's not no ice bear <laughs> on this one, that's for sure. But no, get back in there, kid. Yeah. <laughs> with it, I think they said within an hour, hour and a half, they actually went on and played the game. Um, and Finland did end up winning that. What a bunch of jerks! They should have let the Danish win that one. No. Well, there was no celebration when they scored. I mean, they just kept it calm. There was no like you know sliding on your knees and you know what have you. But they 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 kept they kept <laughs> they kept it classy. Bunch of jerks. Well, the guy. He's the he's the superstar for the Danes too. Like he he's their best player and everything like that. And he went down with cardiac arrest, is what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. And his one the captain, I think his name is Simon Simon Craig. And he, uh, I guess that they run through these drills when this happens. So he he went in and made sure that his tongue wasn't blocking the airway. And they started doing compressions and, and rolled them onto his back and everything like that because he landed on his on his stomach and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. So he rolled them onto his back and then they started doing compressions and everything like that. So they're also saying that the captain may have saved his life for sure. Saved his life, kind of thing like that. But the all the, everyone knew as soon as he went down, like even the Finland players said, like, get the medical team on the field. And the medical team was running on the field right away. They handled it really well because this has happened before. Uh, back in 2012 i can't remember the guy's name but I, re- I remember hearing that this had happened before so they're prepared for something like this because it's just weird that this stuff happens with a guy that's super fit in in the prime of his life at 29 and, he, and he's a really great soccer player or um, european footballer but for this this to happen to it's just it's it's weird i don't i don't get it right I don't get it either, man. I mean, anything can happen, right? I was just in total shock. Like I said, when I turn on the TV, and that's that's why they have these the medical team know everything that's going on and that this can happen, right? Like they're prepared for any any situation. Well, same with the NHL. I mean, in regards to that Detroit Red Wings guy, I don't remember who that was, but I mean, I mean, he collapsed on the bench and they pulled him off and revived him, and I think that's why they have all these paddles and such everywhere. Because of this, yeah, because he could have died on, on live TV. <laughs> oh, but then that that <laughs> I, I don't think I could watch you know the foosball again. But with regards to going on uh, the Group A leaders, we have a Italy really uh, leading Group A. Group B, we have Belgium and Finland are tied. Uh, we have Group C with Austria. Group D, England. Ooh, yeah. Group Group E, we have uh, Poland. And Group F, we have France. Now, I believe the matches that we have uh, going on today, I'm not sure some of them are probably already done, but we have England versus uh, Croatia, Austria versus North Macedonia, Netherlands versus Ukraine. So those are the matches that are being played today. Again, I don't know outcomes or if some are even still being played right now. Sounds like Josh is pulling for England. (laughs) So some other big news in the uh, the WNBA. Are they lowering their fucking rim? No, I wish they would. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be phenomenal. I think that would be a uh, you know 
women's dunker dunk competition for sure going on. I was just going to say, it wouldn't be points and penalties without mentioning lowering the rim. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> or getting rid of the three-point right? line. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah. it's not getting rid of it. It's moving it back further. Oh, sorry. Back. sorry. <laughs> my bad. My bad. It. And, no, it's getting rid of Yeah, you just get rid of the corner three. three in hockey. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, you, you're damn right. You fuckers know me damn well. But we have Simone Augustus and Rebecca... Bronson, key players that uh, play for the Minnesota Lynx, they're going to have their numbers retired, which is pretty sick. They won four NBA, sorry, four WNBA titles between 2011 and 2017. Uh, the jerseys what they wore, I believe that we have Augustus wore number 33 and Bronson wore number 32. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, pretty sick. I mean, I didn't think the uh, WNBA was going on that long. But obviously, it's going on longer than I thought, or or we thought. I don't know. Through Wednesday, five WNBA games this season have been decided on a go-ahead field goal with less than two seconds remaining on the clock. That's pretty impressive. And then there was only eight such shots in the entire 2018 season. So obviously, Pedro, you're you're right in regards to this maybe getting a quicker and better game. And those, you know, ladies that you're saying that we're going to dunk on a consistent basis, maybe on the rise up in the WNBA. It'll happen. Just a matter of time. With all these stats and such that are going on, uh, I can I can see it. But you know what? If you do lower that rim to nine and a half, it'll be amazing. That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Anything I say is not going to fucking happen. But I just like to, to come up with stupid shit. Uh, yeah, bud. Now we have the uh, French Open where uh, the Joker – was battling back from two sets down. The guy is a phenomenal player. He does end up battling back to claim his 19th Grand Slam title. Good for you. And that's on clay too. So, you know, it's pretty decent to watch these people slide and slip and what have you. Do you know where A did Nadal play? Or, and do you know where he finished? Because he's typically the man at the French Open. Yeah, I don't know where he finished. I believe this uh, maybe... That's uh, Stephanus uh, Tempers. I think they may have, he may have taken him out. Don't know. But it is that when there was just the final that I just looked up and got the stats for. Now, he was uh, losing 7-6, uh, 6-2. And then he came back to win 6-3, 6-2, 6-4 to claim again his 19th uh, Grand Slam title. I mean, you only have those three guys. You have Federer, you know, you have Joker, and you have Nadell. I mean, those are your big three, always. And Raonic. Just kidding. UFC. Oh, boys, how much I love the UFC. And again, here's my theories. This thing should never, ever go into uh, to a card. It should never be done to a fucking draw. If it ends up going to a goddamn draw, you give it a three-minute overtime. Finish this shit with a knockout, tap out, or, you know, submission. That's the way I see it. That's another thing that we mention on here all the time, too, is over or sudden death in ufc <laughs> oh they have to come on man do you want this thing to go down to a card for a belt or would you rather win the belt on the knockout or submission i don't know if it could be sudden death jess because i mean in the ufc it could actually mean sudden death <laughs> <laughs> that well, was the joke true, true facts but we had this main event now this this gentleman has uh, gone up weight classes has lost but has never lost in his own weight class at the Sena, Versus uh, Vittori, which always brings out the celebs. 
I mean, because you had Austin Matthews there hanging out with the good old Justin Bieber. Now, the, the, this match actually did go five rounds. Again, I would rather see a, ta, a tap out knockout. But the uh, champion ended up winning and ended up holding on to his title. He ended up getting this guy into a chokehold close to the end of the match, man. And I'm telling you, the way he was mocking this guy was, was kind of unclassy, but kind of classy at the same time. I mean, the typical Kev contradicting himself. Yeah, but because I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if it'd be classy. There's, there's nothing wrong with doing an open palm slap to the behind to saying such a good job, which this guy did. I mean, I'm telling you, man, he was patting his ass. And at the end of the. Did he say good game? I, he might have. After, you have to. He might have, have because, dude, game. he gave it a good squeeze about twice. And then the buzzer went off and, you know, the round was over with the fifth round, which he, again, ended up holding onto his title on the onto the card. We have our first uh, Mexican UFC fighter ever to win a title. Taking on Berger. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Figueredo versus um, Mojino. Figueredo. Yes, thank you. Now, Mojino ended up that one is, again, the first ever to do so in the UFC. Good for him. He ended up choking him out, which I loved. It was a tap out. He had him in a real naked chokehold and made this guy submit to win the title. So good for you, bud. Now the the Diaz brothers, I love these guys because these guys go out to battle. I don't care. I mean, these guys are hardcore. Nick Diaz, though, got his ass whooped and got whooped well. Again, going five rounds. He did end up smacking this guy once to make him stumble which he said it was the first time ever in a long time that he's done so. Nick Diaz goes down, just dominated. Kev, I'm going to challenge you. I think it's Nate Diaz, not Nick Diaz. There's both brothers. There's Nick and Nate. Ah, fuck! (laughs) So you can challenge all you want. Oh, fuck. Well, I just saved the rest of you guys from getting a minus one. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Love you, Josh. (laughs) Because there are are brothers, and I brought that up to the person I talked to at my work in regards to the UFC. If Nick and Nate were to fight, who would end up winning. And they said he's just, they're, they're both just alike, man. They are like Nick and Nate are just like two, two peas in the pod. It was fucking Nate, bro. Ha ha ha. It was Nick Diaz, but. Nope. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Is it Nate? God, yes. <laughs> damn it. See, those two look alike. They're like twins, but they're, they're not good for you, Yosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Boy. But again, he was dominated. Either, either, or. Now, going into my penalty box is also part of this UFC, which is pretty decent. Quickest knockouts, actually, is tying the fourth fastest knockout within seven seconds in the UFC, where this McKinney guy knocks out Perlova, within, again, within seven seconds. Now, he runs up and climbs up the friggin' fence and goes to jump off and do, like, a slam. Blows out his fucking right knee. Oh, poor guy, hobbling it around winning his very first UFC event and then had the knee helped out, helped out of the ring because he couldn't walk. So you're telling me somebody got knocked out within seven seconds of the start of the match. Yeah. And he's not the guy that's in your penalty box. It's the guy that won. Yeah. The guy who won <laughs> on his celebration. Cause he blew out his knee celebrating. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's deserved. Yeah, he deserves sure. to be in the box. <laughs> yeah, bud. I mean, come on, man. All you have to do is sit there and just do like an old, yay, but 
to do all this <laughs> f- all stupid shit. See that a lot in the NFL. Guys get sacks and then they they celebrate and then boom, there goes their knee or there's just some sort of injury. It's, I understand you wanted to celebrate and whatnot, but sometimes you got to think about what you're fucking doing. Yeah, man, because this guy may be out for quite some time. I mean, the guy he knocked the fuck out is probably fighting in the next two or three months. This guy here with his blowing out knee might not fight for another six to a fucking year. So, right, but like, I would be super pumped to knock someone out within seven seconds, kind of thing like that. And a lot of these guys in the UFC are a little crazy. So why wouldn't you do something kind of crazy after doing that to celebrate? Because you might blow out your knee, Jesse. <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, man. You just keep- I understand that, but I, don't, I th- he's supposed to be in top physical shape, like the top of a fence. You'd think he'd be able to handle that, or at least tuck and roll. Oh, no, yeah, he should have. But when he landed, I mean, oh, he, he knew it. He pointed at his fucking corner, so they're going, yo, man, my knee, my knee's done. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, maybe next time you know damn well this guy's not going to go out there and celebrate as, as much on the next win. But I don't see it happening in seven seconds, though. So, Jesse, who do you have in your box here, bud? So, I got the New York Yankees ace, Garrett Cole, for doing an interview, which he absolutely bombed. One of the reporters had asked him if he uses spider tack. And Garrett then has a lot of ums and ahs. There's like a (laughs) huge period where literally I thought the video froze. (laughs) Yeah. Like 15 seconds or so. Long pause of him just saying nothing. (laughs) He's like, well, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> Which means yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to be like a politician, but he's doing it really horribly. He's like trying to redirect everything because he goes on to say, I mean, there are customs and, and practices that are been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players. I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And I've stood pretty firm in terms of that, in terms of communication between our peers and whatnot. So just a bunch of gibberish saying that he blames the older generation because he was shown how to do this. And now the MLB is starting to crack down on making the spin rate more because we can, I think it's called StatCast that measures how fast the, the ball's spinning when they pitch it. And they've noticed it, that has gone up significantly and there's rumors out there that the main culprit is this spider tech. So what is this spider tech just for people that don't know? So this is what people it's usually used in like the world heavy muscle guys or whatever. They're trying to put like when they're putting stones and on top of pedestals and stuff like that. I'm not they sure what the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah they make your hand strong man challenge, strong man challenge. You're right. Yes. And So what this does is it makes you are able to grip the ball better to increase that spin rate. So you can grab it as hard as you can throw it. And then it ends up spinning a lot faster than it would be without it. And there's been a lot of people that have saying that pitchers have been using like rosin because you are allowed to use rosin. It's on, it's on the mound and you're allowed to use and the sunscreen, right? The mixture of the two can be quite get quite the grip on the ball, but spider tack is even better. And if you actually like look this up on Amazon and stuff like that, they have pictures of spider tack and it's literally a person with his palm on the cinder block without even gripping it, lifting the cinder block up. That's how sticky this stuff is. Hmm. Interesting. Now 
would you say that okay, like I mean, without this this spider attack, I mean, if let's say, okay, pitchers, spider attacks the only stuff you guys are ever allowed to use. If we catch you using anything else besides this, then the discipline's going to happen. I mean, they're using it anyway, so why not fucking carry it on? Why not let them use it? Why not? Why not allow everybody to use steroids, Kev? They, I know what they have. They have. Yeah, but that's that's not the way it works, man. You, you're not going to let a guy cheat and let the you know. Yes, they let everybody with steroids go with steroids, but they've eliminated that now. They're not going to say, "Here's a fucking product that can help you cheat." They've already given you rosin. But isn't there a product right now that you already rub on the ball to make it already tacky and and already coarse? Not that I know of. Isn't there some kind of mud or spit ball or something that the, they're already rubbing on the the game ball? Spitball. I don't know what the hell it is, but they're they're trying to make it legal so that they have like a substance, but they're not going to be using spider tack. Okay, it's it's too too much of an advantage for pitchers, and they wanted to regulate, so they don't want to make stuff. They may want to make certain stuff illegal, or they might just say you can only use MLB provided right. version of spider tack, but they right. won't be as powerful or whatever. But they had there's no legislation in there. And that's what Cole goes on to talk about is there's no legislation they're talking about and everything like that. Like it's actually in the rules that they can't use like a foreign substance to make the ball or on the ball at all, but they've always turned a blind eye to it. Like teams have always known about this and stuff like that. And with the strike rate rates going up over the past couple of years, like you can tell that the spin factor has been the calling card of all these strikeouts. Mm-hmm. I actually saw today that the MLB is going to be sending out kind of a bulletin uh, should be this week on shit like this. So they kind of kind of explain, you know, reiterate that this is basically, this is illegal what you're doing in the term in baseball terms, but basically the MLB is going to send out a notice saying, you know, stop (laughs) cease and desist type thing. But who knows if it'll actually happen. And who knows, maybe in the future they may allow, like you said, Jess, an MLB-approved fighter attack version type thing that will still help them. But, I mean, look at look at what we've seen with all the pitchers, with, with the no-nos and the velocity being up and the spin rates being up. They've already got an advantage with that new ball, it seems to be. So do they need a little more with the spider attack? I mean, aren't we trying to get more runs in the games to make it more exciting? Right. Yeah, for sure. Right, but that's, that's why... Uh... Donaldson's calling him out, uh-huh. like, yep. as he said. And but the whole thing really started with Trevor Bauer calling out Garrett Cole way beforehand. Uh-huh. Like when they were in college, and they weren't friends then, and they were they called him out as that. And then Trevor Bauer ended up using that or a version of Spider Tech, some s- sort of foreign substance, and his spin rate has gone down now that he got called out as well. But my biggest thing with Garrett Cole here is how do you not know this question wasn't to come? Yeah. <laughs> oh if you guys didn't see his face man i'm telling you this guy looked dumbfounded like i can't believe you asked me that question how am i going to answer this right and it's also bad on the yankees pressers or whoever not to prepare him for this because like it was it was bad just just <laughs> was bad. him fumbling along and and the beginning when he was like kevin said just dumbfounded by that question like it was oh embarrassing <laughs> Wouldn't he just lie and say, nope, never even heard of that oh, stuff? Oh, that's the first thing he should have popped into his head. But, man, you just see him searching for something. You just, Honestly, you, just, you maybe saw that, that fucking hamster jump on that wheel and just start running. And you see him turn. Uh... That's why I was saying that, like, the Yankees' personal relationship should have these guys ready for this. Like, just deny, deny, deny or something. 
like if you lie on it it's like it's not really a big deal like everyone lies on these things like especially with the roids that happen and everything like that like baseball's gotten past that so what's the difference of it of this guy lying right now right yeah it makes that makes sense just like you're like you said the the yankees press who are you know employed by the yes network or whatever should have said hey by the way i'm gonna ask you this you know yeah and like you say deny or whatever it's one thing if it was a blue jay or a Red Sox uh, reporter saying this, because of course you want to throw the guy under the bus. You, as a as a opposing opposing team's media guy, you definitely want him fumbling around on this. But if it was a New York guy or a New York reporter that said that asked this question, for sure you want to be like, by the way, you're gonna fucking deny this, right? <laughs> so, yeah. like you said, Jazz, like the the Yankees press did not help out Garrett Cole here at all. But what are you gonna do? I don't think they owe him anything though. Like. Negative press always sells better anyway. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Yankees, fucking beat writer or whatever the fuck they are. I wouldn't tell. I would. I would hope to get a stupid reaction out of them and get a <laughs> get a get a headline. And I mean, it's an honest answer, right? I mean, that's his ums and ahs and him not being able to come up with an answer tells you right away what your answer is. So I was mainly talking about the player relationships within the clubhouse. Like yeah, these yeah, guys, the actual, the actual team. Yeah, the staff, team, yeah. the team staff that that they didn't have him prepared for this was what I was talking about. But yeah, I, I don't know if it was a New York reporter or not. Tell you the truth, neither do I. But yeah, just funny to see his face, man. Anyways, Peter, who's in your box? So sticking with baseball, I've got Brian Hayes in my box. So he was playing against uh, San Fran, I think, <laughs> and. <laughs> Hit a home run in, in the first inning. Sounds so confident. It's, it's not. It's not San Fran. I'm fucking up. It's it's fucking. It's L.A. L.A. The L.A. Dodgers. He was playing the Dodgers. The team that you picked, picked the Coast Series. Yes. I was exactly. blanking on the team. All right. It was out in Western California somewhere. <laughs> playing L.A. and they hit a home run in in the first inning to go up one nothing. And the home run was it was a bit of a question whether it was going to be fair or foul. So he was watching the ball. So was everybody else. And turns out it was fair. So he kept on running his home run after hitting the ball fair. Then there was a review and he was called out. And why was he called out? Because the ball was clearly fair. You can see it on the replay. Well, turns out he, while he was watching the ball and seeing if it was going to be fair or foul, neglected to touch the first base. Just ran right past it, stepped next to it. And so he got called out for not touching first base. Got a uh, home run taken back. Would have been a one nothing lead in the game. And it got taken back because he didn't touch first base. So he's in my penalty box. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. And I just want to give you another heads up. The same day that Cabrian Hayes did this, a high prospect named Bobby Wood Jr. missed home plate and they got called. he got called out on a home run too. <laughs> <laughs> And but that one was a little bit debatable because like you could see like it it looked like he touched it but the ump obviously called him out when when he stepped on home plate but it looked like he touched it but still it's funny that it happened on the exact same day that Cabrian Haynes missed first he was called on a called out on a home run yeah Jess was that Bobby Witt was that in the in Triple A or was that in the pros here that was in Double A Double A okay yeah 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 it was it was in the minor leagues. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a, it's quite a brain fart. You know, that's just like, what the hell was the guy's name that ran down with Baez there? That's a hell of a brain fart too, right? So both of them are, are pretty, 
pretty big brain farts when all you got to do is touch first base. Yeah. Or home plate. Too busy watching his handiwork. But them's the breaks. Josh, who's in your box? All right. So this was uh, – I was going to use this last week, but obviously my internet connection was shite. Don't worry. I'm getting a new provider this week. Uh, everything should be good after that. But so I got a beef with a Leaf fan who burned a Gilmore jersey after the Leafs lost to the Habs. My issue here is that sure you're upset. Sure you made a bet that if the Leafs lost, you would burn your jersey. But why are you burning a Gilmore jersey? Like the man is a fucking legend in in the Maple Leafs history. And you go and you burn his jersey. It just it just drives me crazy. Like if you're gonna burn a jersey, burn somebody that's playing right now. Yeah, man. They're the ones that lost the game. They're the ones that lost the series. Dougie didn't do a fucking thing. You know? I mean, Dougie would have went to the fucking cup final if it wasn't for fucking Gretzky. Yep. In 93, right? And and that, I mean, that's pretty much the best we've seen as far as the Leafs has gone in the last fucking hundred years or so, <laughs> it seems. So, <laughs> so my issue here is I just don't understand why this guy, you know, bet or not, why are you burning a Dougie jersey when he had nothing to do with it? You know, you see guys you know, in Cleveland with the Browns and they were, they would tear up jerseys and burn jerseys back, you know, of all these other guys, all these, all these players, but at least they're burning jerseys of players that play and that were shit right then and there. Like Dougie was never shit. He was always a good player, whether he played for St. Louis, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, New Jersey, he was always good. Obviously at the end of his career, obviously, you know, stats start going down, but he was always that guy leadership big time leadership and and you know the guy that you can follow around and and you watch what he does and i just burns me no pun intended that this guy burned a leaf, a leaf jersey and more importantly burnt the gilmore jersey now this burns me a little bit more because dougie is my all-time favorite maple leaf and so it really pisses me off that he did this if i ever met this guy i'd probably punch him just because i'm that passionate about not burning a doug gilmore jersey if you're going to burn one, burn a fucking Morgan Riley one. I don't give a fuck about that. You know what I mean? Hey, like, he at least he, he had a good series, all right? <laughs> but at least he was on the team when they lost, and that was the whole reason. So, you know, and he said, oh, that was the only one I had. It was the only jersey I had. Well, think about what you're fucking doing before you bet. Uh, go buy a shitty jersey that maybe says, like, fucking Aki Berg. If you burn an Aki Berg <laughs> jersey... I would not care. You would not be in my mind. You might right not, now. but think of all the Ackieberg super fans out there. <laughs> yeah, the one or two, <laughs> my, right? My thing about that, man, is donate it. Like, right. There's other people that could definitely use that, man. I mean, like, I saw pictures where they saw, like, leaf hats, leaf jerseys hanging on, like, you know, wires and such things. Take it. I've been 50 years going and don't need it. Like shit like that. So I mean, donate it, man. I, I, I burned me too there, Yosh, when I saw that. I was like, "You're an idiot to burn the like, Gilmore." And actually, Dougie, uh, he had tweeted that he was, you know, upset at the guy for doing that. But he said exactly the same thing. He said, "If you are that upset and you need to get rid of it, donate it." And he he did say that that he that you should donate the jersey because there are lots of people that would love to have a Gilmore jersey, and there's lots of people that would just love to have a fucking yep. shirt on their back not whether it be a jersey or not. So so I, I K 
can't remember this guy's name because it was last week. Um, but he's in my box because he's an idiot for burning a Gilmore jersey. I don't care if that's your bet. You go and you find a different jersey. You don't burn a Dougie. Was he was he wasted? It. He must have been. Probably. Well, probably. Yeah. Probably regrets it. Oh, probably yeah. drinking his sorrows. You know, now he doesn't. He said it was his only jersey, so now he has no jersey, and he be burned a Legends jersey, man. And that's that's too bad. He, he fucked up there. Now Gilmore did say that he, but he apologized, and Gilmore said he, you know, he accepted his apology type thing. But just fucking stupid, man. I mean, you don't do that. You don't do that. Even if you, even if you had a Julio Jones shirt, and I, you know, even if there was an Atlanta Falcons trash can that you could fucking burn it in, you I just would don't never. do it. I- Dude, I still have my crumpler. I would never burn my crumpler jersey. I mean, as much as I cried. Oh, burn that one. As much as I cried on that (laughs) fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no. Burn that one. Don't burn Julio's. I would never burn any of them. That that wouldn't be worth something. Crumplers is worth a piece of shit, really. (laughs) So anyway, idiot Leaf fan that burned the Gilmore jersey, go fuck yourself. (laughs) You're in the box. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> uh, I just did. Fuck, if you would have caught me last week, I would have been even more fired up. But I calmed down a little bit over the last seven days. <laughs> Still urges me. Yeah, man. All right, Pete. I mean, sorry, Mudcat. Yeah. Catch, catch us up on our scores this week. Uh, just the one challenge this week. So Kevin lost a point to Josh on uh, Nate versus Nick Diaz. They look alike, fuckers. Yeah, I bet they do. They do. But you got to get the right one. Got to get the right one. This also ends Kevin's winning streak of two points in a row. <laughs> Does. Yeah, those, those both were hook, line, and sinkers, by the way. We gave you, we gave you one last week. <laughs> I don't even remember what they are, what they were. Maybe two. Anyway, so that brings our season scores. Peter's at plus seven. Kev drops down to minus eight. All right. All right. Jesse's at plus two. Josh moves up to minus three. And we got a couple uh, nobodies at minus one and minus three. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get these fuckers back on the show so they can help me out, eh? We should bring in a guest again sometime soon. Yes. I think they've all healed from the Leafs losing, but I'll probably bring it up. Oh, I doubt. No, I doubt. If you if you bring that up, man, it's gonna be like another you know half hour conversation upon. Yeah, and we don't need grown men crying on the fucking pod, man. Yeah, yeah once bad, is enough. It was bad enough when yeah. Julio Jones left. I mean, that was, that was the worst one there. Okay, that was worse than the, yeah. the Leafs no. blowing a three one yep. series lead. No. Okay, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, for sure. Seeing Julio go to the oh, just like Crumpler fuckers. Might as well just be a Titans fan, man. I don't know what you're doing. Well, I mean, if Ryan goes to the fucking Titans, then uh, yeah, man, I'm all, I'm all in. He's definitely not going to the Titans. <laughs> no, he's not going anywhere. Just don't buy me a jersey, Yoshi, and he won't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kev, how was your drink? My steam whistle, great. Like it, love it. As long uh, as well as the uh, MVP, awesome. Enjoy it. Drink those all the time. Why not? Pedro, Mudcat, how was your beer? Mudcat. I go by Mudcat Pete now and nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah, my Miller High Life was good. Like I said, it's it's uh, similar to Kev with the steam whistle. It's pretty much my daily drinking beer. It's good. I like it a lot. Jesse? My take a hike was pretty good. Uh, I really just bought it because of the name, telling someone to take a hike. 
You're trying to tell me to take a hike, didn't you? I did, I did. Yeah, it was Upper Thames Brewing Company in Woodstock, and I might grab another one of these because this was pretty tasty, and I haven't had this brewery before. But yeah, it was good. Josh, how was your drink? Yes, I got to agree with you there. A couple weeks ago, I did have that uh, take a hike, and it was really good. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, when I was in the liquor store this time around, I was going to get it again, but I was like, ah, there's so many other ones. I better not repeat, So, I, I, especially since I repeated uh, the other week there. So, But this week, Railway City Brewing out of St. Thomas. I had the old juice caboose. It's a juicy IPA, 6.8%. Pretty damn tasty. I enjoyed it. It's got a flower power type theme on the can and uh, initially that's what drew me to the can and then when i saw juice caboose i was like yep that's the one we're get, definitely getting that and uh yeah it tasted good enjoyed it would get it again like you kev i enjoyed my mvp and i, I keep saying it it's uh, i think jess you were originally you said it it's definitely a beer that you can drink while playing sports baseball uh golf so on and so forth and uh, and I really enjoyed the MVP as well. Now speaking of golf, Kev, yeah, but you and I went out today, as I mentioned a little earlier, and it seems like I'm back. Yep, I had a shitty round to start out with, but I'm back, baby. Yep. So I beat your ass today. Uh, now because all four of us weren't out there, we, there won't be any points uh, added or deducted. But I beat your ass three pars and a birdie. Got the longest uh, drive on one of the holes. So uh, I'm feeling pretty confident, and I can't wait to get out there and uh, kick your guys' asses the next time, too. Well, there's one thing I will say. Regardless of our round, I had a very st- I had a stellar start. But I do know this. I'd be kicking your ass, Jesse. <laughs> I may have had you. I may have had you, Mudcat. But I definitely beat you, Jesse. Just keep waiting on that, bud. Let's, that's fine. I, don't, I really don't care because you know what? You're still way down here. That's fine by me. I'll take a zero or a plus. I know you'll always lose when we play as a foursome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everyone. We want to thank you all for listening to Points and Penalties Episode 21. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay stay out out of the penalty penalty box. box.